This week, we witnessed the tragedy of yet another school shooting. It's clear that there's evil in the world doing its worst. However, Jesus is working to birth new creation, one in which evil has been stamped out. The good news is that we are all invited to be a part of this new world. The only requirement is that we must drink living water and be born from above. How does this happen? Through an encounter with the scriptural Christ. Tune in to hear about two different encounters and find out if they are able to see as Christ asks them to. You're listening to The Way with Father Dustin Lyon, a podcast of the Ephesus School Network. Welcome back to The Way Podcast. I'm your host, Father Dustin. The reading is from the Holy Gospel according to John. Let us be attentive. And it was necessary for him to pass through Samaria. Thus he comes to a city of Samaria called Sikar, near the plot of land that Jacob gave to his son Joseph. And a font of Jacob's was there. So then Jesus wearied by the journey, sat down by the font. It was about the sixth hour. A woman comes from Samaria to draw water. Jesus says to her, Give me a drink. For his disciples had gone away into the city so that they might buy food. So the Samaritan woman says to him, How do you, being a Judean, ask for a drink from me, a Samaritan woman? Jesus answered and told her, If you recognized God's gift and who it is saying to you, Give me a drink, you would have asked him, and he would have given you living water. She says to him, Lord, you have no bucket, and the well is deep, so where do you get the living water from? Surely you are not greater than our father Jacob, who gave us the well, and drank from it himself, and his sons, and livestock too. Jesus answered and told her, Everyone who drinks of this water will thirst again. But whoever drinks from the water that I shall give him will most definitely never thirst throughout the age. Rather, the water that I shall give him will become in him a fountain springing up to the life of the age. The woman says to him, Lord, give me this water so that I am not thirsty and do not continually come here to draw. He says to her, Go, call your husband, and come here. The woman replied and said, I do not have a husband. Jesus tells her, You speak well to say, I do not have a husband, for you have had five husbands, and he whom you have now is not your husband. This you have said truthfully. The woman says to him, Lord, I see that you are a prophet, Our fathers worshipped on this mountain, and you people say that the place where it is necessary to worship is in Jerusalem. Jesus says to her, Trust me, madam, an hour is coming when you will worship the Father neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem. You people worship what you do not know. We worship what we know, because salvation is from the Judeans. 
But an hour comes, and now is, when the true worshippers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. For indeed, the Father looks for those worshipping him so. God is spirit, and it is necessary that those worshipping worship in spirit and truth. The woman says to him, I know that the Messiah is coming, the one called Anointed. When that one arrives, he will announce all things to us. Jesus says to her, I am he, I who am speaking to you. And at this point, the disciples come to him and were astonished that he was conversing with a woman. But no one said, What do you want? Or why are you speaking with her? The woman therefore abandoned her water jar and departed into the city and tells the people, Come, see a man who told me everything that I have done. Might this not be the anointed? They went out from the city and came to him. In the meantime, the disciples implored him, saying, Rabbi, eat. But he said to them, I have food to eat of which you do not know. So the disciples said to one another, Could someone have brought him something to eat? Jesus says to them, My food is that I may do the will of the one who has sent me, and may bring his work to completion. Do you not say, Four months yet, and then comes the harvest? I tell you, look, lift up your eyes and see the fields, because they are already white for harvesting. The reaper is receiving wages and gathering fruit for life in the age, so that the one sowing and the one reaping may rejoice together. For in this the saying is true, the one is the sower and the other the reaper. I have sent you to reap that for which you have not labored, and you have entered into their labor. And many of the Samaritans of that city had faith in him on account of the woman testifying. He told me all the things I had done. So when the Samaritans came to him, they implored him to stay with them, and he stayed there two days. And many more had faith as a result of his teaching. And they said to the woman, We have faith no longer on account of your talk, for we ourselves have listened, and we know that this man is truly the Savior of the cosmos. Glory to you, O God. Glory to you. That long reading was from John chapter 4, verses 5 through 42. I record this podcast in the wake of the school shooting in Texas. As of now, there are 19 children and two teachers dead. As our hearts break, our prayers go out to the victims' families who will no longer be able to embrace their loved ones. May the memories of those whose lives were taken be eternal, and may their souls find rest. This tragedy has left us all shocked yet again at the extent to which evil reigns in our fallen world. Despite this evil in our world, we know that Christ has conquered it through his death and resurrection. Christ has truly trampled down death by death. When Christ comes again, God's judgment will set all things right. The dead will rise and creation will be renewed. Though Christ has risen from the dead and we know the verdict of the final judgment, it isn't quite all finished. This world is still in the process of being transfigured, and it's not an easy process. 
Here's what Jesus says in the Gospel of Matthew. You will hear of wars and rumors of wars. Make sure that you are not alarmed, for this must happen, and the end is still to come. For nation will rise up in arms against nation and kingdom against kingdom, and there will be famines and earthquakes in various places. All these things are the beginning of birth pains. It's Matthew 24, 6-8. Whether we're talking about the transfiguration of the world or of ourselves, the pain of birth is real. It's a difficult process and requires, as we saw in our passage, an encounter with Christ. The Samaritan woman, when she first encounters Christ, clings to her earthly understanding and isn't able to see Christ as the living water. In fact, she understood living water to be moving water, like a spring or a river. This isn't surprising. In fact, in ancient Greek, this sort of water was called living water. But Jesus challenges her, as all good teachers challenge their disciples. On a side note, disciple comes from the word discipline, because the teacher disciplines the student with the curriculum, if you will. Anyway, as Jesus challenges her, the Samaritan woman slowly starts to see spiritually. She slowly starts to see with her spiritual eyes. Still thinking that Jesus is speaking of physical water, she first asks him for some of this water so that she might not thirst again. And Jesus tells her to go and call her husband. When she reveals that she has no husband, Jesus tells her of her marital history. At this point, she recognizes that Jesus is a prophet. Her spiritual birth has begun. When Jesus breaks her connection between worship and geographic location, her spiritual birth seems complete. She's able to recognize Jesus as the Anointed One, the Messiah, the Christ, and goes into the entire city to proclaim this good news. Encountering Christ and being challenged, as the Samaritan woman was, is how the kingdom is birthed into the world. Each of us requires an encounter with the scriptural Christ in order to be spiritually reborn. However, each encounter is different, and each response is different. A similar encounter of Christ is told earlier in chapter 3 of the Gospel of John. This is the story of Nicodemus, and it should be read alongside the story of the Samaritan woman, because John often pairs his stories. These pairings aren't necessarily an image of good versus bad. Instead, we should think of them as two perspectives that give us deeper insight, two visions that show us how our encounters with the scriptural Christ can be different. In the story of Nicodemus, we have a Judean man, Nicodemus, who comes to Jesus by night. He recognizes that Jesus is a teacher sent by God, but when Jesus tells him he must be reborn from above, from water and the Spirit, he doesn't get it. Nicodemus believes Jesus is talking about physical birth, that he must somehow re-enter his mother's womb to be birthed again. But Jesus is speaking spiritually, 
just as he will speak spiritually about living water to the Samaritan woman in the next chapter. He goes on to talk about heavenly things, but Nicodemus strangely disappears from the narrative. He's not mentioned again in the text until the end of chapter 7. Note how this story parallels that of the Samaritan woman, and note the way in which the parallels contrast the two stories. First are the characters. Nicodemus is not only a man, but he's also named. Though the Orthodox tradition has called the Samaritan woman Fotini, she remains unnamed in the text. Next, we note their ethnicities. Nicodemus is a Judean, part of the same people as Jesus, while the woman, a Samaritan, is a foreigner. The time of day is also important. Nicodemus comes by night, but the woman's encounter is during the day, the sixth hour to be exact. Now, what they have in common is that they both first misunderstand what Jesus is talking about. Nicodemus doesn't understand birth from above, and the Samaritan woman doesn't understand living water. But in the end, the Samaritan woman gets it. She begins to see spiritually, and she's able to drink this spiritual water. The stories differ, however, in that one remains in the dark while the other begins to see the light. By comparing these two stories, the hope is that we also don't misunderstand Jesus, like Nicodemus did. The hope is that we are able to move past our cloudy thinking and start to see clearly. The hope is that we too are able to drink spiritual water and be rebirthed from above. But the spiritual birth doesn't happen overnight. In the meantime, evil continues to do its worst, including murdering innocent schoolchildren. But we faithfully move forward, placing our trust in Christ. We continue to proclaim the good news that Christ will set all things right. Christ is the Savior of the world, and He will right all the wrongs that are around us now. And for that, glory to God. Until next time, keep walking the way. God bless.